Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Rates and Barrels, it is Tuesday, December 5th. We're in Nashville for the winter meetings. Together. All here together. We've never all been in the same place That's at right. the same time, at least to You're do right. a show. We've all been here before, but I don't think I knew Brit back then. I was probably looking for a job the first time I came out here. Um, that didn't work out, actually, even though I'm here. So I guess things worked out it's in their own way. cool to look at you guys in the eye while doing this. You're like, I'm always looking at my other eight tabs. <laughs> Wait, should I not have him in? Thank you. I mean, and, and, you. and also, like, usually I haven't brushed my hair. So I have I have brushed my hair this yeah, morning for you guys because nice. other people are going to see me. We, uh, we're three for three on showers today. Yes. We're dressed much yes. nicely than we usually are as well. Yeah, so right. things are going great for us as a group. Now, it's been a quiet winter meeting so far. And we spoke on the 3-0 show last week. And you predicted this. You thought this might be a clunker as we move into the middle of day two that has been the case so far Britt so the question is what's holding everything up well guys I think there's two big dominoes that everyone knows about one is Shohei Otani who's not even here his agent Nez Vallejo also not here they're conducting these super secret off-site meetings and you know until he signs it would almost be foolish for AJ Preller to deal Juan Soto because whoever loses out on Shohei Otani is going to be under the gun to make a big move. So I think what they're hoping for, and certainly with what has been leaked out of what the Padres are asking of the Yankees, they want that big return. Mm -hmm. And the best chance to get it is to get a lot of teams bidding against, you know, the Yankees and whoever else and, and to get somebody that's desperate. And, you know, the, the Padres know because they were on the other side of this when the Nationals were trading. Mm -hmm. you know, the Dodgers were in it very heavily, and, and the Padres just kept throwing prospects in that deal. And then we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But I think that is really what's holding everything up right now and you can say well well what about the pitching well one otani pitches and two we just haven't seen a whole lot of movement because i think all those guys are still waiting for these dominoes to go down i, mean, I really do i think it's fair because it's such a money outlay it's gonna be i mean even if it's even if we're off and it's not 450 and they're worried about the arm and it's more like a 350 plus incentives that's still a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to put that money out there, then you can't go get Yamamoto too. I mean, maybe yeah. the Dodgers could do both, but like most teams aren't going to put like $800 million out there in one off season. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. uh, and that's what we're hearing for Yamamoto that it's, it's climbing. It's two, sure. two fifty, whatever it's going to be. So that, that makes it hard. But the one thing that, that I want to push back on that a little bit is just that, we're only hearing that maybe three or four teams are in on Otani. You know, we've yeah. already heard some teams are out. Like we've heard the Red Sox are out supposedly, and we've heard that some teams are out. So uh, I, I, I don't know. I, it's not sourced, but just from you know reading the room, reading what the reports have been, it's like Blue Jays, Dodgers, Giants still in. But this is like three or four teams. So you'd think that there'd be some other teams that are 
you know, open for business. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, the rundown does not have, is not, <laughs> is not overflowing. With wait a sec, you gotta wait, Miley. I mean, you are going to see, I think that lower tier of yeah. picture, but I think, you know, Scott Boris represents Blake Snell. And I think it behooves, some of these guys to wait for these dominoes because like you said it's the money factor and if those guys are waiting then the guys that are waiting for those guys to set their market are also waiting so it's that ripple effect right like i don't think cleveland it cares about these two dominoes but if their payroll is going to remain flat which is what you know they have kind of come out and said because of their struggles with the rsn well they're going to need deals then you don't get deals right now unless those big fish go off and set the prices for everybody else and, it, and it's also fair that yes there might only be three or four teams in it but those are an important three or four teams that have a lot of money and if they do lose out they may want to trade for a soto or they may want to you know assign these secondary free agents so those are you know market setters the giants have money to spend you need to wait to get them in the bidding if you're Blake Snell, because, you know, if they miss out on Otani, they might actually be the number one bidder for Blake Snell. So right. it's fair. Uh, it's fair that that is a part of it. But I just wanted to highlight the RSNs, the Valleys. You just mentioned mm-hmm. uh, the Guardians wanted to stay flat. And I think that one thing that we've seen that one of the biggest like the like if you want to classify the moves that have happened so far, I think you're right. Some of the middle class. We've had the Wade Miley, Lance Lynn, you know, some of these signings. That's been one class. The other class of moves that we've seen is salary dump. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I, I think that you, there's only like two or three moves that have just been about moving moving salary. We've seen the Padres uh, just send out Scott Barlow, you know, basically to save $6 million, you know. And we've seen uh, the Mariners, uh, you know, spend Jared Kelnick <laughs> to save Marco Gonzalez's money. Um, and so I, I wonder... You know, there's this undercurrent in this in this winter meetings. I think that the, the TV money is a really unsure thing. We've heard the Texas Rangers say they may not spend a lot of money because their Bally situation is not good. We've seen the Padres take out a loan. Their TV situation is not good. Cleveland, uh, we've got about like, you know, 10 or 11 teams that are unsure of where they're, you know, how the TV money is going to work out. Arizona, the, you know, National League champions don't, you know, they, they don't have a Bally's deal anymore. I do wonder if it's, you know, so let's say you were going to get $60 million from your TV deal. Is it zero that you're expecting? Because I kind of don't think it's no. zero. No, no you're, you're it's still less. forecasting something. There has you to be some be kind some of internal in projection of what's going to MLB happen TV, in each of these scenarios. If MLB yeah. takes it over, you can ex- still expect 20, 30, 40 million out of that mm-hmm. 60, you know, to come through direct subscriptions, mm-hmm. I think. Yes. But I don't know what that number is. And I think not knowing is something that front offices hate. Yes, <laughs> agreed. It's like COVID times, right? Did they need to save the money or were they just unsure? So they held on right. because a lot of these teams are getting the Bamtech money. Right, yeah. revenue sharing money. Right. right, there is still money coming in, but if you're used to pocketing 200 million a year, and now all of a sudden you might pocket 100 or 150, you're not sure. That's enough to make these teams clam up and yeah. wait. And I think what kind of also we haven't talked about domino wise is say some of these teams like the Giants do lose out on those guys. Well. Other teams like a, a White Sox who have said we're open for business, they may be hanging on to their players till those big guys go too, because Dylan Cease or a Shane Bieber we've heard could be available. Like they, you can get a lot more when teams are desperate. So I think mm-hmm. it's holding up Especially since the trade market. A lot market. of those trade uh, f- play players are cheaper. Yes. So I think you we're going to see a so lot the of trades. teams that are that are wanting to somehow improve, but also you know, like if you are Arizona and you don't have that much money and yet you need a reliever, are you going to 
are you going to break the bank for Hater? I mean, people talking about, you know, Hater maybe breaking Edwin Diaz's mm -hmm. AAV uh, yeah. record for a reliever. Uh, you know, is Arizona going to do that? <laughs> it doesn't seem like they would be the team to do it. It seems like it would be a bigger market team. Well, could they trade for a closer? Or sure. Play, yeah. I think know? Seth Lugo is going to be an underrated sign for somebody too. Yeah, a little, no. you know, a little bit of like a poor man's Josh Hader. There, right. Yeah. yeah. In, in, I think we may see someone from the second tier. I've seen some reports from, I think, John Morosi and John Hammond saying Edward Rodriguez is here in Nashville. He's meeting a lot of teams. He could come off the board, but he's different he's not blake snell he's not yamamoto he's not quite in that tier so if he's got six or seven teams interested that might be enough of a bidding war for him to get the deal well that you he know wants. there was an interesting tidbit that the mets said they were not interested or like there was like a, a like a i forget i would love to give uh credit to the bright person but i don't know who it is but i i saw a report that they, the mets were Take out on eduardo rodriguez uh, and so uh, that's a little surprising because they need pitching yeah. and you know i i think that Eduardo Rodriguez does represents a kind of old school pitcher in a new school market and that the his best assets are control, you know, and volume to some extent. Yeah. And he's not necessarily a guy who's going to have the stuff of a Blake Snell like him and Blake yeah. Snell are opposites. Yes. <laughs> I think there's some makeup concerns too, though, with a guy like that, because, um, you know, I know there were some concerns with Baltimore before they ended up trading him to Boston. And then obviously goes to Detroit. But if you keep in mind in Detroit, he had family issues that sidelined him. Then they tried to trade him and he said, no, I don't want to go there. Right. So I think. And the knee has been pretty bad. Yeah. Since so I, I wonder if he's a fit everywhere. Like some people just don't do well in cities like New York. I wonder if the Mets kind of did their, their due diligence, did their research and said like, you know what, this isn't probably going to be a fit for us. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of the story behind that LA thing that I just don't know. Some of it's just wanting to get something for waiving a no trade clause, though, too. Right? Yeah. That's just if you have it, you should use it. And mm -hmm. maybe they just couldn't come to terms quickly enough to get it done. But it was weird the way that one leaked out uh, around the trade deadline. We should talk about the Jared Kelnick trade because that was an appetizer for the winter meetings. That happened on Sunday when many people were traveling to Nashville. And it leads to a lot of questions. Are the Mariners among the teams setting themselves up for something else? It really feels like it at this point because they sent... Kelnick along with Marco Gonzalez and Evan White to Atlanta, and they got back Cole Phillips and Jackson Coar. Uh, brief time in Atlanta for Jackson Coar, former Royals prospect. But Phillips is this interesting prospect. He had Tommy John coming out of high school. Uh, Keith Law had a write-up about him. He's 20 months removed from surgery. We just haven't really seen him in pro ball yet, so we don't know what to make of him. He was an early draft pick. But value-wise, this was about money. And per Ken Rosenthal, yeah. the Mariners have saved $42 million in future commitments with the trades they made between Sunday and the Eugenio Suarez trade to Arizona. Yeah. So what are they trying to save this money for? I imagine at least some of it's going to a different part of the roster. When you look at that lineup right now, Britt, it's not a playoff caliber lineup yet. It's phenomenal pitching, great starting rotation, great bullpen, but they need some bats. Yeah, and I think that, that the clubhouse has done a pretty good job of saying we need help, right? And, you know, I really hope, guys, that the money is going to go into the payroll. But, you know, that 54% comment by Jerry DePoto is going to follow him around for a really long time. Um, and what I what I don't like is that Seattle came out really quickly and said, we're out on Otani. Okay, that's, I mean, and it's fine if he doesn't end up in Seattle. But to do immediately have to say, like, we can't afford him, we're out. Especially when you're slashing and dashing here on the payroll, right? Like, I think he, he was, um, you know, 
I was at that all-star game. I saw the way the crowd reacted to him. And like at the end of the day, yeah, maybe they don't get him, even if they, you know, are one of these big players and want to throw money at him. But I think just the effort matters to these fans. Um, and the way the Mariners have gone about building their team, it feels like they get really close. They're on the 10 yard line. And then they just get sacked and it's a loss of 12. And you're like, how am I supposed to root for this team? Right. So I hope that this does go back into the offense and into kind of supporting what is a good young core. They've got some really good young pitchers. Julio Rodriguez, as we know, when he is right, is this star of the game. But I think you looked at that trade and I did certainly and said like, whoa, you know, what's next? Is there another move? Oftentimes we see a salary dump, you know, kind of predicate another move. And I thought, especially with who DePoto is, that all of a sudden we were going to see them acquire someone. And we haven't seen that. So what is that money earmarked for? Mm -hmm. Is it just to save money? Because it was a little bit of a head scratcher when they made that move last year at the deadline. And we're like, hey, we're, we're you know, in the position to be in contention, but we're still going to cut salary. I thought that was a head scratcher. So unless they convince me otherwise, and until they start to lure these top free agents, because this is the time to get an impact player, right? To get a Juan Soto, which, you know, we know they're not going to do, but they should be. Why shouldn't they be in on these kind of guys? I don't have a whole lot of faith that 42 million is going to go towards bats. Yeah. There's something about it that I don't like, uh, you know, uh, what what they need now is an outfielder, right? You know, they they've in it's not center, but it's in the corners. They've got Cade Marlowe and uh, Dominic Canzones, two really untested lefties. Um, and you know, you you're like immediately your mind goes to the outfield, and like you know, they're now about twenty millions twenty million dollars below where they were last year after all the cutting, and like could it be Cody Bellinger that, you know, eats up all that money and, and helps in the outfield. It's a little bit of a weird fit because it's lefty. And also do they have more holes than just one? Mm. Um, and then, it, so this makes me think that a, there must be some mandate to cut salary to even do anything. They're, like, cause that's what they did. Yeah. They cut salary and then B they have multiple holes. So it, it's, it smells to me like Lourdes Gurriel jr. And because they also said they wanted to cut, you know, strikeout rate, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's like, I don't know, is it Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and and Matt Chapman, you know, or like two two lower level names, and that's what that's yeah. it doesn't it doesn't smell to me like we cut this and we're going after big fish, especially when they say we're out on Shohei. So yeah, it's like it's just... it smells like a mandate to cut to even spend anything. Mm -hmm. And that says they're going to be even with last year. Last year, they're about $20 million under. So if they have $20 million to spend in AAV, you know, what, what is it going to be? And it, it doesn't smell like to me, like at the very top of the market. And they, I feel like they should be at the very top yes. of the market because they're improving every year. And then that, then you link that back to the 54% comments and just wanting to be just a little bit better than the year before and just get a little bit better at all these different positions. And so that sounds to me like they're going to mix it up and, and, and get a couple different upgrades that they see are upgrades that aren't going to be mid mid-level free agents. Yeah. Or more, it's, maybe it's more trades. That's the other possibility in Seattle. It's always on the table that Jerry DePoto could be working more trades, taking a little bit of money back that way, finding some cost-controlled players that are maybe in the year one or year two of arbitration because that might fit into that AAV number that you were throwing out there. The other part of this you know question... You would be great there? I just said Randy Rosarena. Yeah. Right. Like lines give, open. Give him a little swag, too. Yeah, to go with he Julio. doesn't strike out too much. Yeah. Pipeline's uh, open. They've dealt before. Yeah. So I, I like yeah. that spot. As far as Jared Kelnick goes, a fresh start for him in Atlanta and a highly regarded prospect, of course, who was traded 
from the Mets to the Mariners a few years ago. It hasn't happened for him yet, but we're talking about a guy who's 24 years old. Mm -hmm. He's more or less being tasked with replacing Eddie Rosario in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Jared Kelnick can play at that level. He looks like he's at least a two-war sort of player right out of the box with the strikeouts, with the flaws. That's who he is today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do we still believe he could get better? Do we believe that going to Atlanta and having less pressure and no longer being the centerpiece of a big kind of franchise-altering trade might actually be a good thing for a guy that when you watch him, he, you see the frustration. You see sawdust coming off the yeah. handle of the bat after strikeouts sometimes because you could just tell he's just he's wearing it kind of in this this very personal sort of way. So I'm curious, you know, you first, uh, Kelnick, is it what you see what you get or is there one more level that you see him unlocking? It's just concerning me. Two things are concerning. One is that last year we saw like a better year, but it was really April. Uh, and that, and we have this sort of, you know, certain time that you, you, if you time your, your career or your year in a certain way, people remember it differently. Yeah. So people really remember, Oh, April, Jared Kelly, he's back, you know, and they don't remember that he slugged like 375 the rest of the way. Uh, and he kind of went back to struggling. Don't remember that. In fact, he didn't really uh, change his ability to make contact on breaking balls. Uh, and he still was uh, pretty much only a fastball hitter. So um, I do think there's some, some real concerns there. I think the flip side for the Braves is just like we're replacing Eddie Rosario um, and we're doing so at, at, at a really low cost. He's a $500,000 player for us. He's a, yeah. he's a, or a 600,000 he's a minimum guy for us. And so if you just think about for us and our lineup, he can have flaws. He cannot be great. If he hits, you know, 18 homers off of fastballs for us and hits 230 and plays, plays good defense and costs us $600,000. That's our lineup doesn't need another huge star. So I think it just was a better fit for them because they didn't need as much out of him. Maybe, maybe he figures something out. It'll be a new hitting coach, new environment, uh, a nicer environment. You know, Atlanta is nicer to hitters. It's like, you know, yeah. Seattle's actually a tough places for a hitter so i think they're like if the worst case scenario is he's a guy who plays okd hits us a, a few homers a year and is super cheap then that's something we need i agree and i think also you're going to a place that that really values coaching right like you look at that staff and they have so many coaches mm -hmm. that really coach and develop some of these young guys so if i'm jared kelnick i'm excited to to be on this staff and and to be at a fresh place where you're right dvr he's not acuna he's not even in the top three stars on the braves team you know um, there, there will be so little expected of him and i think this could be a really good thing for a guy who has some maturity issues i mean we all saw the injury um to him with the water cooler and so you know some of that stuff i think maybe 
maybe he'll be a little bit better with it in Atlanta because he is not wearing that where is the Jared Kelnick that we've been sold, right? I think he really kind of wore that, and you could tell. So I think this is good for him. I think this is a good fresh start. I think for Atlanta, they're an organization that seems to do things well. I would put them in the upper echelon of organizations and how they're run, and I would say that Alex Anthopoulos probably said, you know, this is a guy we can get for next to nothing, that really has some upside. Let's not forget the upside that made this guy such a big deal. So if he can even get to a point where he scratches the surface of what we all thought that ceiling was, what an absolute steal for the Atlanta Braves. And and it's just amazing. Um, think about the Padres for a second. And somebody like Xander Bogart's $280 million. I mean, whatever's left, $250 million left <laughs> on that deal. And people you know, we'll say, oh, well, what couldn't he just attach some prospects to, you know, trade guys out of town and clean up the, the salary or whatever? No, no, he can't because he couldn't get rid of Eric Hosmer until Eric Hosmer had $44 million left mm -hmm. on his deal. So that's not. And, and we just saw with this Jared Kelnick deal, the Mariners cut twelve and a half million dollars mm -hmm. in this deal and it cost them Jared Kelnick to get rid of $12.5 million. So it is really hard to move players that other teams feel are underwater. You know, it's just not, it, it is really, really hard. Yeah. And it's only getting going to get harder maybe with this TV situation. Like this is, this is the new level of what it takes to get rid of even, you know, 12 to $15 million. Yeah. Yeah. The, the value uh, being placed on, on young players is, is incredible. And we're, look, we're, we've got Jackson Churio signing a, a record-shattering deal with the Brewers. You, you think about expectations. Expectations just went through the roof for Jackson Churio in Milwaukee. Brewers fans who have been already excited about him for a couple of years as their top prospect are even more excited because there's a good chance we're going to see him on opening day. It's eight years. It's $82 million. There are two options. There are escalators. It could be $142.5 million when it's all said and done. This shattered the record previously held by Luis Robert for a player with no service time. Robert got six years for $50 million. This is a guy that's going to turn 20 years old in March. Had the press conference here in Nashville on Monday. Really good numbers at AA last year, Britt. How do the Brewers manage expectations around Jackson Churio after this when <laughs> everything just went to the moon as a result of this deal? I don't know if you can, because the problem, and I was talking to someone about this yesterday with the, the Yankees, is we live in a world now where 10, 20 years ago, you heard very little about prospects. But now they've become such an important part of currency. And, you know, we have all the top prospect lists and, you know, we are part of this, right? Mm -hmm. A farm director says to you, this guy's really great. Or a GM says, we can't part with this guy. And you start writing it, you right? And, then, it and oh fans start God, saying like, great. we can't get rid of this guy, oh, right? And so, right. So I don't think there is a way to now put the toothpaste back in the tube and say like, let's just let him be like, no, you, you, you know, you had a press conference here. You yeah. signed him to a record deal. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> you're the Milwaukee Brewers. You don't often make national headlines. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you can control it. The only thing you can do is, and it seems like, I think it was Matt Arnold who said that, you know, this guy has the it factor, right? So you would hope if you're investing the money in this guy that you believe not only in what he can do on the field, but you believe that he can handle the expectations that come with this deal and come with being so young and come with the fact that they are going to do everything possible for him to probably make that opening day roster, right? And so you would hope that they believe in his makeup just as much mm -hmm. because I don't think you can do a lot here. I mean, outside of Jackson Holiday, this was the best prospect in baseball. Yep. And, you know, I immediately saw this deal and said to myself, why can't the Orioles do this? 
you know, with a Jackson Holiday, you know, or with some of their other young guys. Obviously, it would take more for guys who are already in the big leagues. But um, if you're the Milwaukee Brewers, um, if this guy is even a fraction of what you think he's going to be, this is an absolute steal. You need to be doing this more. This is a page out of Alex Anthopoulos, oh, yeah. out of that Braves. handbook, right? <laughs> this, is, this is how you do this. And so I really like this move, but I don't think there's a way to control the the narrative here and the hysteria here and you know him in spring training him getting there his first you know everything is going to be a big deal with this guy he's the otani of milwaukee right like he's just going to be a very big deal for a team that let's face it you know they lost craig council they, they took a gut punch this winter um you know they have a new manager in Boston pat murphy yeah. yes but like you know and now we're hearing about this fire sale you know they may trade cord corbin burns and you know this is something that i think they're going to cling to as hope as you know, we have a plan for the future, and you know it's up to this guy whether he likes it or not. He's going to have to bear a lot of that responsibility. He's going to have to bear a lot of the national limelight. Like if you're a national writer and you're going to Brewers camp, you're, you're probably right about Jackson, that guy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just how it is, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know it's interesting. Like some of these deals haven't worked out. There's uh, there's been the John Singleton deal, the Evan White. Oh, that was Evan White was in. Evan the, White was in the deal we just so that was. About. They were probably clearing more than fifteen. Oh, yeah. It was maybe closer to 20 or something because mm -hmm. Evan White I forgot Evan White was in that deal but anyway there have been deals that haven't worked out and usually the thinking is you do enough of these deals the ones that do work out play you so handsomely as a team yeah. that uh, you just do them with everybody but they're not doing it with everybody and I've and I've talked to Billy Bean and it's like why don't the A's do this and he says we can't afford to be wrong and so this is a little bit of a, a chance for the Brewers they're not doing these deals with all their young guys uh, and they are closer to the we can't afford to be wrong territory territory this will be a bad news for them if it doesn't work out and here's why i don't i think that the floor is so high on this and it can't you can't really compare them to john singleton evan white and it's pretty pretty obvious defense and i, I you know evan white and john singleton are, are first baseman and they didn't the bat didn't come to, to fruition and so they didn't you know they didn't make it as as major leaguers in the same way that, that their teams hoped they would if jackson trio right now is projected to be round league average with the bat next year He's going to play center field. If he never does anything better than that, he's going to be worth this deal and more. Yeah. He's going to be a surplus value. He's going to be a good part of that team. Mm -hmm. And then there's what could come beyond that. But I think the worst case scenario is he's kind of, maybe he doesn't walk enough or he doesn't, maybe the power doesn't all translate or whatever. And he's so, but he's so young that you would expect him to improve for like five, six years of this yeah. deal. And the baseline is so good where he's like at least a league average bat in center field that uh, this is a chance I would take as an organization for sure. Yeah, 122 games at double A last season, spent a little bit of time at triple A at the end of the year. Got over 20 homers, got over 40 steals at that double A level. So there's power, there's speed. It's silly power. It's like taking 99 and going the opposite way with it for homers. Like that's the kind of raw power that Jackson Churio possesses. Uh, Wade Miley came up in the conversation earlier. He's back with the Brewers too. That's the other, and yeah. that happened. But uh, that's a Brewers rotation that I think is going to be particularly messy if a Burns deal happens. I think there's still some questions about Aaron Ashby and his health. Robert Gosser got up to AAA last year. He'll probably give them some big yeah, questions this year. you're asking. Yeah, yeah. I, you got to ask uh, Pat Murphy a question yesterday about uh, about Aaron Ashby. And oh, uh, did you? I asked if he was having a normal off season, and then I was asked to define normal. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it tells you it tells you a lot about where things are at uh, as it stands right now with Ashby. But it's still early; it's early December. So hopefully, by the time spring training rolls around, he'll be on the same schedule as everybody else. But 
a lot of this conversation, you know, today is about trades and moves and, and Juan Soto might get moved again before we leave. Probably won't, but he could. And the consensus now is that the Nationals won the first Juan Soto trade, yeah. right? And you were saying, Britt, that Mike Rizzo got crushed for that trade at the time. He did. The future forward question I have is, you know, the Padres had Juan Soto and they get to trade him again and they'll get less than they gave up, almost certainly. That's how it usually works when now we're talking about a guy who's entering free agency next winter. Can the Padres still win in the long run given the interest of the Yankees and other clubs? Can they do enough to undo some of the damage to the system by replenishing with some big league talent in this Juan Soto trade? I don't know if they can break even here, guys. I mean, I think I think the best you can hope for is that you do get... Listen, they need pitching. We know that's not a secret. Can they get big league starting pitching back for Juan Soto? Even if it's a, you know guy who's maybe the a fringy depth guy for your rotation, right? Like they're not getting a frontline starter. Um, that's not going to happen. But I think you look at this and you're like, how do they not lose that much? Because their system, honestly, isn't as bad as you would think, even though it's been pillaged. It's still in that top half, he, in that top third. He's a great scout. I mean, he's a great scout. They, they, yes. They've turned that around pretty quickly from where they were before. It they is have, really A.J. Preller's strength. Yeah, right? they have top prospects again. Yes. And so they're not in the situation or like what the Nationals were in, where they had to trade Juan Soto because the cupboard was barren. They had nothing, right? They had to make all these blockbuster moves and get rid of Scherzer and Trey Turner and all of these guys. I think if you're A.J. Preller, this hurts because Juan Soto was the one who got away. You wanted him. And I think in his mind, they wanted to keep him and sign him to an extension. And we know about the upheaval in the Padres and the passing of owner Peter Seidler and how that has changed the way this organization looks at things. So I don't think there's a way they can come out of this and say, well, we won this trade at all. But I think there's a way to not get embarrassed in this trade. And certainly if the Padres get pitching, you know, they still have a good core group of players, but no team is going to get better losing a Juan Soto. Right. No team is going to say, you know what? I like our chances to win the World Series better now that we got rid of that guy. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just not going to happen. Right. And the Yankees can bulk all they want. I saw those proposals. The price is high. Yes. But if you ask me, the Yankees would still win that trade mm-hmm. because, you know, you are getting Juan Soto in a park where he could absolutely smash Aaron Judge's home run record. So I think if you're A.J. Preller, you have to look at this and say, can I get 60, 70 cents back on the dollar? That mm-hmm. to me is a win because I'm not going to get. You know, I'm not going to get my money back. Not even close. Uh, I think at this point and where they are and how and where their roster is, where the money is, where where they need to be, where they're trying to be in terms of winning. It's more about turning this major league piece into multiple major league pieces that fit my team better right now. Yeah, because they're just, uh, you know, they're looking for 700 innings that they had last year. Uh, and it's as much as I was saying, is there a possibility they could keep Soto and get those 700 innings on the cheap? The names I was coming up with, I was thinking about it. There's not 700 innings in those names. I was I was saying, go get Martin Perez, Alex Wood, and Wade Miley. Maybe you could do all three of those for 15 million. You know, like 450 uh, innings. That's not 700 innings. Yeah, yeah that's that not 700 innings. So you'd have to be depending on all these young guys and the minors that are coming up. And yes. They do have some young arms. They had the Miley Pitcher of the Year and Snelling. You 
you teams don't like to depend on those guys. No. They, they, you don't you don't put them in one through five. Did you put them in seven, eight, and nine? Um, and so in this scenario, if you're buying 450 innings at the very bottom of the market, you're a you're getting very bottom of the market. <laughs> you're not you're not getting the best pitchers. And then B, you're actually depending on 250 innings from the minors, where that's just such a big jump. You know, we've seen them depend on weathers and that didn't work out. And and if you don't have a history like the Dodgers necessarily of being like, hey, new arm. And it worked out, of course, because we do this, you know, uh, then you have to be nervous about depending on those minor league arms. So yeah. I think it just makes sense. And the, the Yankees on the flip side, they have a bunch of guys who are in their depth chart at five, six, seven, and they're trying to be the Yankees, you know, as opposed to, you know, oh, Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito, you know, Michael King, you know, we're going to, we've got a lot of young guys. We're happy about our depth and stuff. They'd rather, you know, I think get the Soto, even if it costs them Michael King and Clark Schmidt uh, and some, and some minor leaguers on top of that, because, and so there, there's a fit there. I'm saying, yeah. you know, for each of those, there's a, it makes sense. The Yankees want to get their top players better. They want to they want to be the Yankees again. And the Padres just need to sort of take that one player and spread them out into three yeah. or four. You know, it's so it feels inevitable. I know Ken Rosenthal wrote a piece about how these two teams need each other right now. Yeah, and part of that is the Yankees having big league ready starters that aren't necessarily elite prospects. They're yeah, movable, right. They're controllable aces. pitching. It's exactly yeah. what the Padres need. And one strength for San Diego, the ballpark, Petco versus mm-hmm. Yankee Stadium. If you take the guys like Brito and Vasquez and some of the guys that are back end up and down guys on this Yankees team, they'll perform better, at least in those home starts, just by park factors alone. Yeah. And that might scratch the itch as far as finding as many innings as they actually need. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Plus, you're now saving the thirty, thirty-five million dollars mm-hmm. that Soto was going to get. So, say you get some back-end guys. Well, now, as you know, was saying, now you go out and you buy. You know, not even the bottom tier. You can afford more of that middle tier. You get one or two other arms there. Well, maybe and- got like one of the rumors is Jung Hoo Lee. Go get Jung Hoo Lee. Yeah. Uh, you know, for ten million a year, as you know, and and have those minor league, have those arms that are mostly on on uh, league minimums. So you still save your 15 to 20 million, you know, that maybe there's a mandate to save and you and you still have an outfielder. So yeah. maybe there's maybe that's the, the, the way forward. Yeah. I have some concerns about Jung Hoo Lee's power uh, and his defense, uh, but they may not need him to play center. I mean, Trent Grisham plays a fine center. They're trying to dump Trent Grisham, though, yeah. because he's making he's going to make four and a half million dollars. Yeah. Right. So I think yeah, no matter what million dollars for like an average center I know. fielder, I would I, keep what, him. What really kills them, in my opinion. Payroll wise, you know, you look at we talked about, you know, talk about Bogarts and you know Tatis and Machado, and those are huge deals, absolutely. But the Jake Cronenworth one, I think, <laughs> is one that you look at and like, man, this could have been a real easy Bogarts way. And Cronenworth for me, right? Like, yeah, I think those are the easy ones or the big huge ones. But Cronenworth is what eighty, yeah, something like that. You look at that one and you're like, that was not really the best idea, especially since he in, on your depth chart was already moving towards first base, where he's like a weird fit. Yeah, yeah, it's more, yeah. more of a guy that you just want to have. At first off the bench, plays four or five times a week. Not necessarily yeah. a guy that you're penciling in every day. I thought that was a a curious decision too. Uh, even at the times they did it, it's looking pretty bad in hindsight. Even though compared to some of the mega deals, it's a lot smaller totally. overall yeah. cost. It's yes. just, if if you if money's tight, that's the kind of deal you don't want because nobody wants to take that on. Correct, exactly. Like you just lose so much. Like yeah, it'd be great if you could move Bogarts. It's a huge amount of money, mm-hmm. right? Machado, Tatis, but like to me, like yeah. Imagine if you had that eighty million to spend on a pitcher. Yeah, 
yeah, that would be huge for them right now. Uh, some other tidbits here from Nashville. We're seeing the reports that Mookie Betts is going to be a full-time second baseman for the Dodgers in 2024. How does that connect to the, maybe some other off-season plans? I mean, Mookie played a good bit of second base in 2023. He looked good there. He looked natural. Yeah. He played there years ago, but still looked very comfortable in the infield when he played there. I'm going to connect that to two things. One thing is uh, there's another uh, item we've seen that they want to upgrade at, at shortstop. So if you sort of connect the dots and you realize that Gavin Lux is coming off of a major knee injury and may not have had the arm at shortstop anyway, may not have been super comfortable at shortstop anyway, that it's probably not likely that they're saying we want to upgrade a shortstop by bringing Gavin Lux back, who's already on our team. So they want to upgrade means we're looking for somebody else on the trade market because there's not really a free agent that fills that need. So is Gavin Lux available in a trade because he's Mookie Betts playing second base yeah, and they want to upgrade at the position Gavin Lux is going to play. So that means that if I'm another GM, I'm calling by Gavin Lux. Uh, and there are a couple places uh, you could make a match. Um, you know, Milwaukee is a place you can make a match uh, perhaps uh, depending on what they're trying to do with salary and, mm -hmm. and generally with that roster, uh, you know, it seems like uh, the Guardians always have shortstops, you know, then they wanted Lux before. So there's a, a match there. And then just separately, just a little item is just that uh, Mookie Betts is amazing and he's so cool. <laughs> and the thing that Kyle Bodie was in here yesterday, um, and, and we'll get that audio to you soon, but uh, Kyle Bodie was here talking about how Mookie Betts takes grounders at shortstop like every day. And he has played shortstop a couple of times, but to do that every day yeah. is like, uh, it's, it suggests a sort of craziness that the elite guys have, mm -hmm. you know? And he said that Kyle asked him about it. He was like, no, I just love to do it. I just love taking ground balls. And it's like, he loves to do the thing that is so rote and like people like make fun of and people don't even do as much anymore. He loves to do that thing for a position that he doesn't play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's yeah. ready for this. I think <laughs> imagine being so talented that it, like they can just move you to another position and you hold your own yeah, at the exactly. big league level, yeah. which like is already, we're talking about the top 1%, right? I think it just shows you, what a ridiculous athlete Mookie Betts is. Athlete. And, but you with, know, with that dedication, with the yes. with the sort of secondary stuff. He's a makeup. leader, a character guy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and I know this horse has been beaten many times, <laughs> but the Red Sox letting a guy like that go, not just with what he does on the field, mm -hmm. but with everything off the field, the leadership that he brings. It's really important who you give your most money to. Yes. Because that person becomes the leader. Everyone, I, I, like money is a silly thing. You don't want to think about it all the time. But when you're in a clubhouse, everybody in that clubhouse knows who makes the most money in that yes. clubhouse. Yeah, the guy's and the de facto leader. Yeah, that immediately becomes, he broadcasts the values uh, that the players have and what mm -hmm. he does kind of goes. I mean, the worst clubhouses I've ever been in were ones where the most highly paid person was one that either didn't talk to media or didn't like the machines or didn't, you know, like didn't the coaches, yeah. didn't want to work, was, you know, seen at 3 a.m. before uh, a, a start, you know, out in the town. I'm not talking about any one specific pitcher. <laughs> Sounds like you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I totally. Some people will be able to contain those dots. I yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I just think that, yeah, I, I've never heard anybody in any corner of the game say anything bad about Mookie Betts. Mm -hmm. which is a rare thing in and of yeah. itself, right? 
Never. Uh, but uh, I think it also points to a, a general thing that we're lacking in the in the winter meetings right now is activity. And I think the Dodgers are go. I, if I had to guess, I would say the Dodgers may be the most active team uh, in this off season overall. Yeah. We're talking. Yeah. We're hearing about them being really close on Yamamoto, like being one of the best one teams on in on Yamamoto. We've said that from beginning that they're got to be the number one team for Shohei Otani. Mm -hmm. uh, and now they're talking about upgrading a shortstop. These are major moves that they're making. They took kind of last year off a little mm -hmm. bit in terms of making these big splashes. So I, I could see this being a huge offseason for the Dodgers. Yeah, I agree with that. So one of my favorite things in Nashville is the there are manager media sessions that are like 20, 30 minutes each. And they're actually happening like near where we're recording. Uh, and who do we got over here? That's Bob Melvin. Bob, it's Bob Melvin. Oh, There's Bobby. a big crowd for Bob Melvin. Yeah. And I think it's fun because as someone who spent a long time having to aggregate news, this was one of those times where we had a bunch of player notes we could write back in my fantasy days. And it was uh, it was always interesting to see if you could kind of separate the real news from the things that the manager said Managerial simply because speak. they just somebody asked them a question and they had yeah. to respond and someone else put it into to an article. I'm curious about this one. There's a, a report going around that the Mets are going to stick with internal options at third base. Mm. So that's, you know, some combination perhaps of Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio, maybe Mark Vientos. I don't think Mark Vientos is going to play a ton at third base. I think it's between... No. Beatty and Mauricio at this point. They got to find a position for Vientos long term. So, Britt, you've done this for a long time. Where does that fall on the BS meter? Like, do, do you actually <laughs> believe high. that? No, it's pretty high because what's the flip side is, are they going to say, yeah, you know what? Guys, we have our trash. We got to upgrade, <laughs> right? Like, even if you don't say they're trash, you're basically saying we need to upgrade this position. I mean, there are nicer ways to hint at it, but I don't believe anything. When teams say we're set here, we're not looking here. Teams are always looking to upgrade. They're always these these front offices in particular, guys. If they think they can get one or two percent better, they're they're in, mm -hmm. right? They're trying to get to that fifty four percent, like Jerry Depoto told us. <laughs> so you know they're always tweaking that dial just a little bit. So I don't believe that, especially with the Mets, especially a market where you know if this was the Tampa Bay Rays, maybe. But you know I think you know people are rest are restless. Mets fans are restless. They want to know now that they finally have Stearns after three years of waiting. What's this guy going to do? And, you know, they're not going to go out and do what they did last winter. We know that they're trying to build this organization from the ground up, but no one's going to be happy. They're not going to go out there and try to put together a 500 team either. They're trying to get to the playoffs. They're trying to be the next Dodgers. So I don't see a world where they're not at least exploring ways to upgrade. I mean, we're pawns in an information battle yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it could just just be as easy that they're in negotiations with matt chapman and they don't want the number to get any bigger yeah and so they send everybody out and say hey our our company line right now is you know we're doing this internally because we don't want that like we're the, we're the, the number they're asking for in the Matt Chapman camp is not one we like yeah but if we can move that number yeah you know by by saying we're out you know then maybe maybe we'll get back in yeah. <laughs> totally it, that is it you know just expose the game right yeah. then and there it's when you know I mean, that's a, that's what sourcing is doing that's what all these rumors totally. are doing people are trying to move uh the yep. market the, the agents on one side are trying to create markets yes. mystery teams matt chapman has a half a dozen teams interested oh, yeah. in him. jordan and, we got the one um, of the newest you know, updates while we're here is jordan hicks 
uh, Astros, Rangers, Red Sox, and Angels, which I don't, I, I think there should be more names on that list, but, uh, you know, that, that, yeah. those are maybe the, the highest value teams that have the, maybe the people yeah. think they have more money. So it's like, yeah. ah, Hicks is gonna, yeah, you, you gotta give us a little more money. Yeah. <laughs> let's drive up the price. Yeah. yeah it's, it's such an interesting, uh, dichotomy of, of, you know, the, the information flow, especially right now, especially surrounding Otani, who, I don't know if you guys saw this, but so yesterday a reporter asked Farhan Zaidi, um, a question that he goes too specific. Sorry. Like we are in such a, a total, like no one has any clue what's going on with Otani. We're not we even are, allowed to know the name of his dog. We are in a world. Yes, we are in a we world. Don't know the name of Shohei's dog. We're not where he goes it. to Dunedin and visits their spring complex. And Arkan Rosendahl has the story. And it's amazing that this is a story. Yeah. Right. That's how yeah. little we know about this free agent process. I don't know. Have you guys? I can't even remember. Speak after he won the MVP. I know. I cannot remember. <laughs> it's my 15th year in baseball. I've never seen a free agent process this shrouded in secrecy. Have you guys ever? Well, maybe the first Shohei Otani one. <laughs> it wasn't this bad because yeah. I don't think people weren't sure he was this good, right? People yeah, were wary. True, yeah. Would it translate, right? People weren't sure. Could he pitch and hit here, right? Well, we the reason I think one of the reasons we know about the Blue Jays one is that Ross Atkins had to zoom into his yeah. general manager session. They made it worse. Yeah. They totally made it they worse. They probably should have just canceled that one. Couldn't yeah. they say he was sick? Yeah, that, just be like, we... That was yeah. the giveaway, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. like, wait, why like, is this is our AGM? Right. He's going to talk to you guys for yeah. a little bit. Do you say Ross Atkins has the flu or whatever? I, you know, you. I mean, we're in a bubble here. You believe it. Yeah. But him being at some undisclosed Zoom I, It's almost one of those lies, too, that afterwards people would be like, well, fair. Yeah. <laughs> you lied to me, but fair. fair. I, I don't know why. <laughs> but does now count against Toronto because that leaked out? Right. Right. Uh, I, I mean, that's what that's what the, 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 supposedly the leak the, 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 the deal was early on. If he gets an offer and he likes it the best, and that's where he wants to go, and it happens to leak out, he's going to change teams. He's so methodical and researched. I don't see that happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hope it happens soon because we're we're we're, we're like we're, the minor league signings. We're, we're uh, reading about minor league signings. I don't <laughs> I don't want to. This literally the number one thing is a minor league signing. Yeah, uh, and I think I there's mean, actually three minor league signings. That, Four, four mildly sightings in the top ten things happening right now. It's because everybody's here Yeesh. and they just they just want to write stuff and talk about stuff. Yeah. It is here. true. I, I got one more and then we'll go. Mason Miller, it sounds like, is going to work in a bullpen role. That came out of a uh, David Force media session uh, on Monday. That one seems more on realistic that. to me. They're giving but, up on. It. I mean, he's what he's topped out at like 15 innings on the season in the last two or three. So. But does having him throw max effort? 50 plus games a year is that we've talked about this before does that necessarily keep him healthier no it, it's just trying to figure out how many how many ways can we maybe. utilize him like it, maybe number of pitches is definitely a big part of fatigue yeah so you're 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 like literally asking him to throw 12 competitive pitches sometimes that's like you can get through an inning yeah. in 12 pitches 14 pitches so uh that's a lot different than asking him to throw 70 or 80 even so I, I think it, it, there are other pitchers that we've seen in the past that just couldn't stay healthy as starters that that made it through as, as relievers. So yeah, we are scraping the barrel, guys. <laughs> it might be a closer. Well, no, I mean he's I mean he's got good stuff. He does, he does. <laughs> but we are here in Nashville, supposed to be talking about the hot stove. Yeah, let's just say this that you know hot, hot stove. Have you had any good Nashville things? Have you had a moon pie? No. Have you had a goo goo. Uh, we had some Googers in the hotel. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, it was all right. I and I've had hot chicken before, uh, <laughs> and I had some again, and I had the mild, and I was uh, <laughs> surprised that even the mild is even the mild got you. Yeah, 
Brandon oh, Funston yeah. was crying a little bit last oh, night. Oh, from the pizza. That was yeah. off the mild chicken on the pizza. Hot so. chicken pizza. I, I like hot chicken branching out into other foods. I think that's a very innovative thing. Glad we're seeing that here <laughs> around town. I'm going to look for some dry rub, I think. Yeah. I want some dry rub. All right, we're going to go so Eno can find some dry rub. Uh, you can find Britt on Twitter at Britt underscore Drill. You can find Eno at Eno Saris. You can find me at Derek and Ryan. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We're back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thank you.